Welcome to the Whitewater Podcast. Stay tuned at the end of the message for church resources and more information about Whitewater. For now, let's dive into this week's message together. Isn't it interesting that we can go to two different restaurants that are both in the hospitality business and have two different experiences at one restaurant? You can, you know, feel warmth immediately when you come in. They seat you really quickly. Or if you have to wait, they communicate with you. And then they, someone takes your order really quickly and keep your coffee filled and they, or they keep your, your tea or whatever you drink filled. And then the food's fantastic. It just is a wonderful experience. And then when you leave, like you want to go back. And in the same hospitality business, you can go to another restaurant where it's the complete opposite. You walk in, it feels cold. You have to wait a long time with no communication. When you finally get seated, it takes a long time to even get your order. Your coffee's not filled or refilled. Your tea isn't refilled. And then the food's like meh or like or horrible. And uh, when you leave, you're just like, I'm never going back there. And the difference is between a place that that wants you there and is hospitable and in another place that doesn't really care <laughs> and is inhospitable. And I want to be looking at this question. How can we as a Christian community, how can we as individual Christians create environments of hospitality in a world that sometimes can be very hostile or inhospitable? Hebrews 13.2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. You know, this uh, verse reminds us that the Christian tradition is rooted in a spirituality of hospitality, of, of inclusion, of warmth, and of belonging. That tradition, you know, it takes work, it takes commitment, it takes prioritization, but we find it in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus was always including people. Wherever he went, there was a party. People were always invited and welcomed. And so I want to take just two weeks, uh, this week and next, to look at how we move from maybe a, a world of hostility into a community of hospitality, or how can we move from a season of hurt into a season of hospitality. You know, uh, as we come out of the pandemic, I think the church has a tremendous opportunity to waken our world back up with the ancient practice of hospitality. So I want to read through this passage. This is actually from the Old Testament, drawing on some really ancient roots this week. Next week, we'll be looking at hospitality from like a, a story of Jesus. But this week, I want to read this passage and really look at discussing four keys to hospitality and four reasons for hospitality. Now, let's just read through the passage first, and then we'll break it down. Genesis 18, 1 through 15 says this, The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. Now, whenever I read that, I, I'm a child of the 80s. So, uh, the oak grove belonging to Mamre reminds me of Mumra from Thundercats. So, if there's any Thundercats fans out there, you should be able to remember this, no problem, the rest of your life. Anyway, sorry, let's keep going. <laughs> One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. So just to stop for a moment, we, we hear that God is interacting with Abraham. And Abraham is kind of like, a he's known as a father of faith and a model for faith. And this is one of the interactions that, that Abraham has with God. It says that when Abraham saw these three men, he ran to meet them and welcomed them and bowed low to the ground. And it's interesting, he says in verse 3, my Lord. To these three, he says, my Lord, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, 
Let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So interesting, uh, it goes from the singular to the plural. My Lord, says Abraham, and it says they said. You know, many theologians and uh, spiritual writers have identified as like a as like a Trinitarian moment, that three-in-one God, God the Father, Son, and Spirit. Somehow, like symbolically, Abraham is interacting with a three-in-one God, which is mysterious. It's hard to explain, but anything where the, the human is interacting with the divine is uh, there's mystery to it. In verse six, it goes, Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. It's like, we got to get the party started. We got to be hospitable. Verse seven, then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to a servant who said to him, no, I'm vegan. No, I'm just kidding. He, he, took, he quickly took it and prepared that calf. And uh, when the food was ready, Abraham took the yogurt and milk and the roasted meat and he served it to the men. And as they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Uh, this is the art of hospitality. Now, check this moment out in verse nine. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent, quietly in the background. And Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. And so she laughed silently to herself. And said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy the ple- this pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? So not only am I old, but he's old too. How is this going to be possible? So she's chuckling to herself at the audacity and the silliness of this statement. And then in verse 13, then the Lord said to Abraham, notice it goes to the Lord, says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. It's a promise from the Lord. Sarah was afraid. Like all of a sudden she realized that, that this, was, this was someone special. This was God because he, he could hear her internal like laughter and her incredulity. Like this can't be happening. Sarah was afraid. So she denied it saying, I didn't laugh. Have you ever done that? Like laughed at something <laughs> or, or just thought it was something was ridiculous. And later someone asked about, oh, I, didn't, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. <laughs> Isn't that great? God just calls her out. No, you, you definitely did laugh. And I think this is, this is a moment that's foreshadowing the miraculous birth of Jesus. This is God moving forward. People of God like the, the promise that he's going to create a people that become a blessing to the whole world. And I mean, this is God's goodness, his, his uh, promises being fulfilled in action. I think when we see at the end here, after all this hospitality, and then we see the promise of God happen, we see this moment of pain. Because Sarah doesn't want, she doesn't think she can hope or believe that she really can have a child, which has been her heart's desire for a long time, if you know the story. Both her and Abraham have wanted children, and they've never been able to have children. And if, if you've ever gone through something like that, I mean, that is a, a deep point of pain. I think in the story, we're seeing that we need to pay attention to the things that we downplay, the things that maybe we laugh out loud so that we can kind of downplay them. Sometimes we laugh to downplay our deepest pain and our deepest longings, our desires. 
uh, we play this protection game to kind of laugh at what we actually want most. You know, I can't have a baby. So we kind of harden our, our, like we have a hardened heart on the outside, but inside we're still, there's hurt there. Or, you know, I really wanted to be married, uh, but you're not, but you'll, you'll like laugh out loud, but it's like really painful inside. And there can be all kinds of stuff. I wanted this business and it didn't happen. I, you know, I wanted this thing in my life and it didn't happen. Life just took a left turn that I didn't expect. And, and then we, we cover it. But I, I love this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Was what God said. This is a moment where we learn that hospitality, asking uh, someone to come into our life to bring in a new perspective, gives us the ability to see a new future. It allows faith to kind of arise in the situations. And sometimes we might laugh and maybe even balk at the impossible, but God loves to do things that defy our expectations. And then I think in this passage, we see that hospitality helps us process our pain. Uh, Hospitality helps us move from hurt into hospitality ourselves. So here's four keys to hospitality. And hospitality is simply the art of honoring other people through invitation and presence. So here's the first key. See people, engage them, and welcome them. Look at Genesis 18.2. It says that Abraham looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. See, he sees them, then he runs and engages them, and he welcomes them in. I mean, this is key to hospitality. See, sometimes we, we kind of we want to act as the guest rather than be the host. And when we become a Christian, we, we kind of have the mantle put on us that we're the inviters, we're the welcomers. And we give belonging. We don't just wait for others to give belonging to us. As much as we might want to be passive, Christians are, are called to follow Jesus into proactivity, into hospitality. And so you, we put others first. We put ourselves in other people's shoes. We don't wait. We take an interest in people. We ask questions. We, we see people. We engage them and we welcome them. I, I have a family member who just lights up the room not because they're so interesting or trying to be interesting. They take interest in other people. And so I want to encourage you, instead of trying to, to be an interesting person, try to be an interested person and see what happens and honor people by telling them how much of an honor they are to you and welcome them in. Second key, invite people in, serve them, and give them rest. Here, Genesis 18, 3 through 4 says this, my Lord. Abraham said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while, rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. You know, this is deserty area. It's in the heat of the day. And um, this ancient Middle East hospitality embodied itself in rest or giving people a time of rest and washing their feet because they wore sandals and, and giving them a place to feel safe and feel, feel home. And, and it starts with invitation. Invitation is so important because everyone has a fear of rejection. You know, have you ever walked into a room like your, you know, the first day in a class in high school or middle school or, or elementary school, just been like afraid of rejection or you're, you're the new kid or maybe at your new place of work or maybe you're in church, maybe even today. And you're like, are there people who will like me? Are there people who are like me here? And that fear of rejection, I think, kind of lingers in our hearts. And, uh, and when we invite people in, they, they know it's safe. They know that they're wanted and they're welcome. 
And uh, we can invite people into our lives on social media, Facebook, Instagram, you know, whatever it might be, or text. And I think that's so good, but, but never forget the power of personal invitation, reaching out, you know, through those forms, but also, you know, in person. And so when we serve people, it gives them the ability to rest, just to rest. And I think people are so tired and worn out, uh, not only hurting, not only going through the hard last year, but people are just tired and we can give them rest by inviting them in, showing hospitality. The third key is eat great food. In Genesis 18, five through, five through eight, we, we read this part. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, says Abraham, let me prepare some food to refresh you. So then Abraham runs back and uh, talks with his wife. They make some bread. They, uh, they barbecue uh, some meat and then they make some milk and honey and have a great beverage and they bring it to their guests. And I love this moment is it says that Abraham waited on them at the end of this. He, he waited on them in the shade of the trees or in the shade out of the sun. And he gives them like this great barbecue. You know, the smell of barbecue when that happens, it's just so refreshing and so like relaxing. And then they have a craft beverage of really, really good honey and milk, you know, like probably most of us do. <laughs> but I just want to encourage you. You know, when we're hospitable, there's nothing like eating together and breaking bread together. Um, maybe having a great craft beverage, maybe a homemade one like uh, kombucha or my friend Sam makes a really, really good ginger beer <laughs> or root beer or whatever it might be. Get creative. If you, if you can't cook, invite someone who can or invite people to bring food. You know, you don't just have to be the one who makes it too. It, people can like love being able to bring something to the party and it just puts people at ease. And we have some, inc- just so you guys know, in our church, we have an incredible cooks and incredible like hospitality masters. You know, we have friends like Tammy or Heidi and my friend Sam and Trista, Mike and Kenny, like I, the list could go on. And, and I, I'm sure I left out many, many people. They know how to make great food and create great environments where people can just be refreshed and relax. The fourth key of hospitality is this, refresh people for their journey, refresh people for their journey. Genesis 18.5 says, and since you've honored your servant with this visit, says Abraham, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue your journey. It's like, I want you to carry my hospitality with you today and into the week. I think that's so cool. And he wants to refresh them. The definition of being refreshed is to give new strength or energy, to be revived, reinvigorated through food, rest, drink, or, or just friendship. And in this day and age, I think people's souls are tired and worn out and weary. And hospitality has like the the ability to refresh the soul. Souls that are disconnected, lonely, hurting. You know, just assume people are carrying something and they're and they're heavy burdened. When you invite them in, and as you send them back out from a time of, of rest and fun and, and friendship. Send them out with with some food for the road. Maybe like you actually give them some ribs or give them some actual food to carry with them. But also like that lingering sense of presence and friendship. Like, wow, I I just felt so loved. I felt listened to. I felt cared for. I want to go back. You know, and that that's when we are refreshing people's souls. So what do you think are some of the reasons we might not give hospitality? We might kind of like close the doors to our hearts, to our homes, and to maybe even our church. 
I think sometimes we can hang on to hurt or maybe hostility between us and others. Rather than be hosts, we want to just be guests. That can keep us. That's kind of a, a mindset. And we want to remain passive rather than proactive. Sometimes it's our upbringing. You know, we, we grew up in homes that like didn't uh, practice hospitality very much. And so we just don't know. Well, you got friends who can teach you. There's lots of shows. You can YouTube it. Like there's lots of ways to educate yourself and there's nothing, there's no better education for hospitality than just experience. Like, you know, inviting people over and learning or going to a park, whatever you feel comfortable doing these days. But like that art of hospitality, it's a mutual transformation. And sometimes our attitudes, our busyness, our lack of maybe money or resources or a lack of generosity, or maybe we're just scared of people, you know, like we're, we're, we have like a social anxiety. All these things can prevent us from having a moment, creating a space where people who come from different backgrounds, think differently than us, come from maybe with their own fears and their own burdens. We create a space where there can be mutual love and transformation. And I don't want us to miss out on that. Like the church should be leading in hospitality as the world is kind of coming out of this hard time. And uh, we can be part of their healing because when hospitality happens, hurts kind of evaporate. A hardship evaporates, hostility evaporates, and, and like love is created in this space. Here's four reasons for hospitality. The first is build life-giving relationships. It's so important that we just build life-giving relationships. Like, that's a great reason to, to be hospitable. Another reason is giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. When we give ourselves and we receive from somebody else, whether it's food or it's a beverage or it's like just relationship and it's a story and it's conversation and it's friendship, uh, this is so good for the soul. It's how relationships are formed. The third reason for hospitality is this. When you uh, invite someone in, you invite the presence of Jesus, the presence of Christ. In Matthew 25, we see that God will someday give the world the relationship that they want with God or not with God. God says, if you want a relationship with me for eternity, you can have that if you want me. If you don't, you don't have to have a relationship with me for eternity. And we see in, this, in Matthew 25, it says about the king, it's talking about God. The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. Now listen to this, verse 37. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? or a stranger and show you hospitality. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So when we show hospitality to others, especially those who are the down and outs and people who are like on the outside looking in a lot, we actually are, are inviting the presence of Christ into that moment. You know, in the story of Sarah and Abraham, uh, in the moment of hospitality, when they invite the three-in-one God, there's this moment where Sarah laughs because she has this feeling of pain and loneliness. And like, there's no way I can have a child. There's no way that my deepest desire and hope can happen. In the middle of that loneliness and, and hardship, that's where the presence of God comes in and promises change. See. 
Here's the fourth reason. Invitation leads to transformation. Invitation leads to transformation. As God transforms our guests, he will transform us. As people experience your love by inviting them in, you will experience God's love and transform. Like new things will become possible because you invited someone into your life, into your heart, and somehow mysteriously and wonderfully, Jesus is present and doing some work on the inside and the outside. You know, I had a friend who jumped in and helped at uh, this big event that we do. We throw this big party. It's like a big hospitality moment for our church where we do a big party at Christmas for the foster care community. And he had never helped before. And he jumped in and he became Santa. Like he wore Santa's clothes and he, uh, he was the guy who all the kids got in line for and they got pictures with him. And I talked with him later and he said, becoming Santa in that moment for those kids, many of which, you know, this might've been their first good experience or first experience ever with some kind of Christmas uh, party where they get and they get to receive gifts. He said being Santa just lit him up because he got to see the kids get lit up. And this moment of joy for them became joy for him. You know, Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, which we really know is the spirit of Jesus, filled his heart because he was seeing the kids impacted so much. You know, our church will be transformed as much as we are hospitable to our community. Our church will be transformed when we invite and welcome and love other people. Revelation 3.20 says this, Look, I stand at the door and knock, says Jesus. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. May we be a church and a family that brings people in and shows the hospitality of God. As we're entering like this summer, I want to really invite our church to, to create moments of hospitality. And I know that people have different comfortability with being together, different boundaries right now, and that's totally fine. But I think that we can find creative ways to be hospitable. And uh, different people have different needs right now. I know one thing, that the church can and should be the leading force of hospitality on our world. Because Jesus was the most hospitable leader in the world. He created a family of inclusion for the, those who were, thought they were on the inside and those who knew they were on the outside. They were all invited to the, to the family of God. And friends, I want to invite us to create that environment this summer. Thanks again for joining us this week. At Whitewater, we believe in creating an environment where you can belong before you believe. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we believe in, visit us at our website, whitewaterchurch.org. If you'd like to contribute to Whitewater financially, you can give online at whitewaterchurch.org give. Or if you want to get involved in blessing our communities or are interested in joining a home church, email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.